Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. Quick, answer this question for me. What is the scariest disease that you can imagine? Now, I don't know what you said, and I don't believe in fearing disease either, but the answer for me is any kind of mental thing, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, basically neurological disorders and diseases, dementia, all that kind of stuff. And for a high, high percentage of people, that is the case. I've been deep diving into mental protective measures, I guess you could say, or brain protective measures through supplementation and even uh, rethinking the way that we think, meditation, breathing, and so on. And several months ago, I talked about this guy, Dr. Dale Bredesen, and I told you I was going to do my best to get him on my show. Well, I interviewed him earlier this week. I spent over 40 minutes with him, and it was awesome. I loved, loved doing this interview. I'm going to parse it out in some detail, even do a follow-up show with some more information for you, potentially some written information, maybe an ebook. I haven't quite figured out what I want to do because the information is so valuable. But I'll get into that a little bit as I close the show. Before the interview, I just want to make a couple of quick announcements for you. Vitality Radio, of course, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful at 107 South 500 West. If you have questions about anything you hear during this interview, you can give us a call, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. And then another thing that we're doing at Vitality this coming Tuesday, that is May 18th at 6.30, May 18th, 2021, in case you're listening to this after the fact on the podcast, But May 18th, 2021, at 6.30, we're doing a summer prep class, workshop, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tons of information, everything about what you can do naturally to be hydrated without resorting to things like Gatorade and Powerade. Things that you can do for your first aid needs. Things that you can do for your sun protection without putting things on your skin that might actually cause cancer. Those types of things will be available for you. We got three great people bringing this information to you Amanda Cotter, Jen Roberts, and, well, I just called myself a great person. And if you don't feel like you're a great person, you should because you are. But regardless, the three of us will be delivering this on the 18th at Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful. If you're within that, you know, reasonable range, we had somebody come all the way down from Rexburg, Idaho for the last one. But wherever you want to come from, we'd love to have you. We have limited seating available, although we have quite a few seats still available now, but we'd love to get you on the RSVP list. It is $15 for you and $5 for a partner that you want to bring along with you. And there will be some free samples and some snacks and a few things. It'll be a lot of fun. It's 6.30 at Vitality on May 18th. Call us if you want to join us, 801-292-6662. Okay, so because I took as many minutes as Dr. Bredesen would give me, he had a meeting that started right at the very end of this interview. In fact, I ran him right up to that deadline 
because I wanted to get as much information out of them as I could. And we had a few technical difficulties, so I apologize for any sound quality issues. It's not going to sound quite as good as the show usually does, but he has been so hard to track down that I did the best recording I could under the circumstances, and so bear with me on that. But I think the sound quality is fine. It's just not as good as it typically is. But I don't want to uh, delay any longer. He took up most of the show, and I'm grateful that he did. Dr. Bredesen is the guy that brought us the book, The End of Alzheimer's. He is the man who brought us the formula NeuroQ, which I take myself, which I have had such amazing feedback on, the best feedback of any brain formula I've ever had in terms of people actually taking it and seeing a significant benefit with it. So I'm a huge fan of his work. He does awesome stuff. He just delivered, actually, a new study that I'm so excited, and we'll go into detail on that during the interview, but wow, just amazing, amazing stuff on brain health, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Dale Bredesen. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I am your host every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I'm excited this week to bring to you someone I've been trying to get on the show for several months now, ever since I've read his book, The End of Alzheimer's. Dr. Dale Bredesen is joining us on Vitality Radio. Dr. Bredesen, thank you so much for your time and your uh, knowledge. We are so excited to dig into uh, what you know about mental health, mental, I should say, brain neurological diseases. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So what can you tell us uh, just a little bit about your background and how you got to the point of writing the book, The End of Alzheimer's? Yeah, I get very interested in the brain when I was a freshman at Caltech and I went through ultimately to medical school to learn about brain disease and then went through neurology training and uh, postdoctoral training in neuroscience and got very interested in how does neurodegeneration work? So the goal of my laboratory for 30 years was to understand the fundamental nature of the neurodegenerative process 
in enough detail that we could begin to fashion the first effective treatments. Because as you know, this is the area of greatest biomedical failure. We have not had good treatments for Alzheimer's, for frontotemporal dementia, for Lou Gehrig's disease, Lewy body disease, just go right down the list. It has been an area where if you get these diseases, unfortunately, they are terminal illnesses. And as, as one person said, uh, everyone knows a cancer survivor, no one knows an Alzheimer's survivor. So we wanted to understand the fundamental nature of the process. And we've been really surprised to see that it's not what people thought. People have thought things about misfolded proteins or response to a herpes simplex or type three diabetes. And there are dozens and dozens of these ideas about what Alzheimer's actually is. But as you know, none of them has led to an effective treatment. So what we found was something quite different. At the core of Alzheimer's, the fundamental nature of this problem is an insufficiency. So you have a, an amazing neural network. You have about 500 trillion synapses in your brain. And you've got to support these. And so there is a supply and a demand. And anything that increases the demand, things like inflammation, toxicity, things like that, or decreases the supply, so decrease in hormones, nutrients, trophic factors, decreases in energetics, mitochondrial function, oxygenation, cerebral blood flow, any of those things will increase your risk for this degenerative process. Okay, so I have read your book and I was absolutely fascinated. And part of the reason for that is because of my own family history. My father had Parkinson's for 10 years before he passed away. My mother was in seemingly great health, took a fall and ended up with vascular dementia, at least was what they uh, diagnosed her with for the last about a year of her life. And as such, I've been on the lookout for everything that I can find to you know, protect my own brain and neurological system. And I actually had somebody bring your book into me at Vitality Nutrition and was fascinated with everything that I read. I, even the chapters that you say, maybe you can skim over this if you don't want to get too technical. I uh, It took a minute to dig into that stuff because there's some depth there, but just amazing stuff. With what you've discovered, what have you been able to do to actually help people that is different and unique than what the traditional you know medical approach has been? Oh, a tremendous amount. So we actually published the first examples of reversal of cognitive decline in patients with Alzheimer's and pre-Alzheimer's. Just the first 10 cases in 2014, 10 more in 2016, and then 100 more examples of documented improvement in 2018. And we've just finished the first clinical trial in which instead of predetermining a treatment, which as you know, the cl typical clinical trial does, it says we're gonna give drug X or drug Y. Mm -hmm. In this case, we did the opposite. We flipped the script and said, okay, for each person now, we're going to look at all the different contributors because again, this is a supply demand imbalance. We're gonna look at all the different contributors and we're gonna look to see what is actually driving the cognitive decline for each person. And then we're gonna target those things with a precision medicine type of approach. And the results have been fantastic. 84% of the people actually got better. So we just actually submitted this for publication yesterday. These are people who were analyzed by MOCA score, by CNS vital signs, what's called a neurocognitive index. 
by MRI, by Brain HQ, so multiple looks at their status, all of which showed that they had improved. And interestingly, in the ones, the few that didn't improve, you could see what was continuing to drive the problem. There was something that hadn't been addressed. So we're very excited about that. And here's the bottom line, Jared. Very few people should ever get Alzheimer's disease. It should be a rare disease. And if people simply got on prevention or early treatment, we could make this a very rare disease because it's what's happening is people are going into it because they're not addressing the very things that are causing the problem. So you're very smart to say, okay, I want to get on some prevention here. You want to do the right things. And we haven't had anybody yet on prevention who has then converted and gone ahead and gotten dementia. You think about this in four phases. There's the pre-symptomatic phase where you want to be on prevention. There's the early symptomatic phase, which is called SCI, which is subjective cognitive impairment. Everybody with cognitive impairment with SCI gets better. That's a pretty easy thing to treat. The mid-stage is MCI, mild cognitive impairment. Most of those people can get better. And then the late stage is what we actually call Alzheimer's disease. By definition, you don't have full-blown Alzheimer's until you begin to lose activities of daily living. So as an analogy, saying that someone has Alzheimer's disease is a little bit like saying they have widely metastatic cancer. It's the last stage of a long process. Just SCI alone, subjective cognitive impairment, which is where you know that there's something wrong, and sometimes your spouse may know there's something wrong, but when you're testing, you're still testing in the normal range. So that's called SCI, and that lasts about a decade. So you can see we really have a long period to jump in. The average time, and this has been well-documented with PET scans and spinal fluid studies, average time from beginning the underlying process until a diagnosis of Alzheimer's is 20 years. And the problem, of course, is there people are told there's nothing you can do. People are told, well, there's no reason to come in because we can't do anything anyway, which is just the opposite. In fact, the armamentarium for preventing and treating Alzheimer's disease is huge and is very effective, but you need to know what's actually driving the process for each person. And so, again, this should be very rare. What we suggest is, just as we all know, when you turn 50, what do you do? You get a colonoscopy. So when, if you turn 45 or if you're already older than 45, please get a cognoscopy. That's looking at your brain. It's pretty simple. It's three things. It's a set of simple blood tests that look at your predictors, look at the things that are potentially driving cognitive decline. Secondly, it's a simple online cognitive assessment. It takes about 30 minutes, easy to do. And then third, and only if you have symptoms, you should also have an MRI with volumetrics. So it'll look at your hippocampal volume, for example, because that's something which actually shrinks down in Alzheimer's. But again, if you have no symptoms, you don't need the MRI. So that's it. That's a cognoscopy. Frankly, it's much easier and much more pleasant than a colonoscopy. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, everyone should do this if they're 45 or older. Now, how does someone go about doing that? 
Very simple. You can actually go on mycognoscopy.com. We've got it set up so that it's pretty easy to do. You can actually get blood tests uh, locally. You can actually have a mobile phlebotomist come to your home or you can go to a Quest Draw Center. Pretty Mm -hmm. easy to do. And then you'll actually get a report that will walk you through here are the different things. If you want, you can work with a physician. We've trained over 2,000 physicians now from 10 different countries and all over the U.S. to do this particular protocol. Excellent. And we'll link then to uh, my cognoscopy on the podcast link. So for those of you listening that are interested in doing that, we'll point you in the right direction. That's great. I didn't actually know that was available. So I'll be doing that myself. I'm 48 years old. So I'm right in right in that range. This is perfect timing. And again, even if you're 68 or 78, if you're still asymptomatic or in very earliest times, please get on prevention, get on early reversal. This is the way that we can make this disease a rare disease just as it should be. So the biggest thing that I think I did love about your book is that you are so strongly in favor of preventative measures. You know, don't wait until uh, it's potentially too late, jump in early and recognizing that it is a 20 year kind of steady, slow decline, much of which I think is probably not all that noticeable at first. So having this uh, diagnostic cognoscopy is is fantastic. I love that. I've read quite a bit about the Bredesen 7. So then the question I have is, what are the things that you typically recommend for prevention? That's a great point. So let's start with how it actually works, because once you understand what's driving the problem, it's pretty easy to see why we use these seven things as a good way to get started. So there are four major groups this is basically what your brain is needing. Number one, anything that causes systemic inflammation is going to increase your risk. So that can be a leaky gut. It can be Lyme disease. It can be a poor uh, oral microbiome. It could be chronic sinusitis, anything that's causing inflammation. Of course, in the United States, the most common thing is metabolic syndrome. There are about 80 million people or so. So that also gives you systemic inflammation. So that's number one anything that does that. Number two, anything that gives you exposure to toxins. And I've been surprised actually, as a classically trained neurologist, we were never taught about how important these these toxins are. The usual was, yeah, if you get massive exposure to mercury, you're going to have a syndrome. Okay, fine. But this is mild chronic exposure. So everybody should know about this. And there are three groups of toxins. They are number one, metals and other inorganics. Number two, organic toxins, things like glyphosate and things like formaldehyde and benzene and toluene and stuff like that. Car exhaust fumes and things like that. And then number three uh, is biotoxins, things like trichothecenes and ochratoxin A, typically from molds. And there are, you know, the major groups of molds, the the uh, stachybotrys and aspergillus and penicillium and ketomium and wallemia, those are the major ones that actually make these toxins. There are a lot of molds that don't make the toxins, but those are the ones that typically do. So those are the first two groups. Then the third group of problems is low energetics. And you've got to have enough energy. As you know, your brain takes about 20% of your blood flow, even though it's more like 2% of your total body mass. It's like a Maserati in there zipping along and you've got to keep that up. And for so many of us, as we get a little older, we're not supplying that. Supplying this means getting the blood flow. So if there's any vascular disease, that could be a problem. 
getting appropriate oxygenation. So anyone who has sleep apnea or is dropping their oxygenation at night, everybody should check their oximetry at night to see if you're dropping your oxygen at night. Third is getting into some mild ketosis, having those ketones to actually give you some energy. And then fourth, mitochondrial function. Your mitochondria have to be working. And as we get a little older, for many of us, that's not the case. So then overall, the fourth group is trophic activity. You've got to have support for your cells. That's growth factors, BDNF, nerve growth factor, various hormones and nutrients. So those are the four big groups of things. Now, how do we address those, which is what you mentioned there. So we have this thing that's called the B7, not my name. This is something made up by the Apollo group. So, okay, the B7, it addresses this very nicely. Diet, exercise, sleep, stress, brain training, supplementation, and detoxification. So those are seven simple areas we can all address to give us better cognition. And I should add, you know, many of us who are walking around with quote, normal cognition actually are suboptimal for what we could be. We can do much better. So if we do these things, not only are we decreasing our risk for future cognitive decline, not only are we improving if we have some cognitive decline, but for those of us who have normal cognition, we're going to make that even better. So addressing those things, and you just start with, you know, diet, and it again, as a, as a classically trained physician, it has really surprised me to see that what we were taught in medical school that, yeah, diet's fine, but it's really about prescribing the right drugs. No, diet is incredibly important. And there are things you can do to give yourself much better outcomes, to make you much more resilient, to make you better with dealing with things like COVID-19 and better at preventing things like Alzheimer's disease. And there are many parallels there actually. So the thing that actually works best for your brain is a plant rich, it doesn't have to be all plants, but the majority plants with high fiber, Fiber turns out to be incredibly helpful for your lipid profile, for your glycemic index, for the foods that you're eating, and for your detoxification, for your microbiome. It's amazing how much that does for you. So plant-rich, uh, high-fiber, mildly ketogenic diet, you want to drive yourself to a ketone level of between one and four millimolar beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is the ketone that's easy to measure in the blood. You can also measure acetone in your breath if you want to do it that way. There's something called a biosense, which allows you to measure the acetone in your breath and get a pretty good indication of whether you're in ketosis. And then you want to have appropriate fasting periods. You need that fasting. It actually turns out to be helpful. And so 12 to 16 hours between finishing dinner and starting breakfast or brunch or lunch. And that will actually help you in a number of ways. It helps you to get into ketosis. It helps you to cleanse your brain, to remove some of the damaged proteins, lipids, and carbohydrates. So that's the what we call KetoFlex 12-3 diet because it does get you into mild ketosis. And if you want to have some fish and meat, no problem, you know, but have wild-caught low-mercury fish, things like salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, or herring. Stay away from the high-mercury fish. These are the ones with the large mouth, long live fish, things like a tuna fish, swordfish, and shark because they give you high mercury levels, which also actually increases your risk for Alzheimer's disease. And then if you want to have some, some beef, you know, make it grass-fed beef, 
Um, if you're going to have some eggs, great. Have some pastured eggs so that you don't get you know the high uh, omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. You get the better omega-3s in, in the uh, pastured eggs. That's the, the general idea for the diet. Exercise, you really want both aerobic and strength training. Again, this actually improves your insulin sensitivity, which turns out to be absolutely crucial for your brain. Insulin is a critical trophic factor for the brain. And then sleep. Most people don't realize when they're starting to get sleep apnea. It's a critical contributor to cognitive decline. And then stress levels, another one. You just keep your stress high. You can shrink your brain and give yourself an increased risk for Alzheimer's. So whatever it is you like, whether it's music, whether it's meditation, whether it's just taking some time, as they say, a, a forest bathing, Shinroku, just get out there, relax. That turns out to be very, very helpful. Checking your heart rate variability, another easy way to do it. You can do it on your uh, Apple Watch, for example. So all these, and by the way, these wearables like Ura Rings and Apple Watches, very helpful because you can look to see where you stand with all these things. And then brain training. Professor Mike Mersnick uh, was the one who came up with brain training. Uh, it's been very, very helpful for many people. He started something called Brain HQ, which is very helpful and it can decrease your risk for cognitive decline. And then detoxification. As I mentioned, there are you know, standard ways we talked about in the book, as you mentioned, uh, and then supplementation. Again, people always say, well, what's the most important supplement to take? Well, it depends on your status. Uh, you know, it depends on what you're low in, et cetera. I like a number of them. Um, there's one called a whole coffee fruit extract, which is actually very helpful for increasing your brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Propolis is another nice one because it decreases your inflammation. Uh, of course, omega-3s, uh, very helpful, and also will decrease your inflammation and increase your synaptic formation. Some very nice work from uh, Professor Wertman out of MIT showing this combination of citicoline and omega-3s, especially DHA, uh, critical for increasing synaptic count. So all of those are very helpful ones. Uh, for many people, some vitamin D, for many people, some magnesium, especially magnesium three and eight. So all of these things are very helpful, but again, it depends on where you stand. So it's good to know where you stand and target those things that are gonna be most helpful to you. As far as the supplements go in terms of dosing, I actually just uh, did a show on magnesium three and eight last week and was pretty fascinated. I've started using it myself. Do you typically recommend the 2000 milligram dose that uh, tends to be the typical recommendation? Yes, except for people who already are high in their magnesium, that I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. But you have to remember that, you know, that people say, well, 2000 milligrams. Well, actually that's the magnesium and the three and eight together. Right. The magnesium itself is only 144 milligrams. So it's a relatively modest dose of magnesium that gives you this that much magnesium 3 and 8, just because the 3 and 8 is a larger molecule than the magnesium. So it's got greater molecular mass. Right. And as far as the omega-3 goes, uh, one of the things that has been, I think, from a, in terms of marketing in this country with omega-3, a lot of products on the market are you know pushed as a one a day. And yeah. they have a thousand milligrams of fish oil, maybe 300 milligrams of omega-3. How much omega-3 have you seen in, in your research is, is really an optimal dose? 
It's a great point. And, you know, people still argue about this. And an interesting paper just came out recently looking at how much it actually impacts the levels in your cerebrospinal fluid, for example, finding that, in fact, we probably do need a little more than it's typically recommended. So what we recommend is to get to 1,000 milligrams of DHA per day. DHA, docosahexaenoic acid, is the long chain, the 22-carbon one that is critical for synapse formation. EPA also very helpful and have especially a good uh, impacts on inflammation, but the one that's critical for your synapses is DHA, and we'd like to see people get to 1,000 milligrams of DHA per day. Excellent. And so if you're listening to that, make sure that you're looking on the back of the bottle of your fish oil and that you're looking for the DHA specifically, not just the actual fish oil potency. It's much like what you said about magnesium. The magnesium three and eight is, you know, 2000 milligrams, but only 144 is actually magnesium. Now on the coffee bean, that's uh, found in the NeuroQ formula from Life Seasons that you work with them on. My understanding is the BDNF, it actually has a direct connection to increasing BDNF. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And, and you know, my laboratory has been very interested in the mechanisms and on very few of these cases. And a good example is whole coffee fruit extract. It's not yet clear why that increases BDNF. So it was noted by the group that discovered this and by the researcher who discovered this, Dr. ZB, it was not yet clear how is it that this is increasing, but it has been clear and they've repeatedly measured this. You look at this phenomenon, this effect. If you exercise, for example, which we recommend to people, one of the wonderful qualities it has is to increase your BDNF. It increases BDNF about 10 to 14%. Whole coffee fruit extract exceeds that. They've shown anywhere from 25, even up to 100%. So pretty striking increases in your BDNF. And by multiple mechanisms, BDNF is has an anti-Alzheimer's effect. It actually supports synapse formation. It prevents you from increasing the production of your amyloid. And I should mention the amyloid that has been vilified, the stuff that is in the brains of patients with Alzheimer's disease, these quote, sticky amyloid plaques that people talk about. And the drug companies have developed drugs which get rid of the amyloid. These are antibodies that grab onto it and remove it. But that hasn't made people with Alzheimer's better. And in fact, the best results in one study that was touted as a wonderful success, it didn't make people better. It didn't make people stabilize. But what it did was it slowed the decline by about one third. So That's the best with removing this. But the reality is that this amyloid is actually a protective response to insults. So what happens, the the amyloid is a little bit like sending out police, that you've got police that are coming out because there is a problem ongoing. And so no surprise, when you just get rid of the police, that doesn't stop the problem. So you got to get rid of the reason. You got to get rid of the problem first. And so I do believe that these antibodies to amyloid in the long run are going to be very helpful for after you've addressed the actual causes of this. But for example, if you have things like mercury, 
if you have ongoing inflammation. In fact, this amyloid is part of your innate immune system. So there's an interesting uh, parallel, one of the many, with COVID-19. With COVID-19, of course, people were dying of cytokine storm. This is recognizing that there is a problem. Now you're making these cytokines and you can actually die from a hyper response to the virus itself. In Alzheimer's, it's a little bit the same, except this is a cytokine drizzle. It's many, many years of the inflammatory response. And this inflammatory response includes the amyloid. So what you want to be able to do is remove the problem, remove the upstream inducers before you ever remove the response to it. All right. So then here's a question for you that that does spark for me. Are there pharmaceutical interventions that are being used that you think may actually create a higher likelihood of a degenerative decline of the brain? Absolutely. And in fact, this has been published repeatedly by a number of groups. So there are multiple uh, pharmaceuticals that people are on that increase risk for cognitive decline. And it starts with anything that has an anticholinergic effect, because you have to remember that when you're forming memories, the most important system is your cholinergic system. These are the neurons that use acetylcholine. Now, other things like glutamate also important, yes, but the most important, the memory-related system is largely driven by cholinergic neurotransmission. So some of the gut effects, some of the bladder effects and things that people will take, these pharmaceuticals, increase risk for cognitive decline. Um, some of the sleeping pills, some of the antidepressants have an anticholinergic effect. So you have to be careful about those. Secondly, any of the benzodiazepines, Valium, Xanax, things like that, also increased risk for cognitive decline. So there are a number of commonly used drugs. And then of course, the PPIs uh, that people are using for GERD, uh, things, these proton pump inhibitors, they increase risk for cognitive decline. So there are lots of different ways where pharmaceuticals can absolutely contribute. And of course, the big issue here is that we have an underlying problem and it might be high blood pressure. It might be, you know, it might be gastric reflux. Uh, it might be type two diabetes, any of these things. And so what do we do instead of getting to the root cause and finding out what's causing this and then addressing that, we just slap a pharmaceutical on there as a band-aid and say, well, okay, just keep doing all the things you're doing wrong, but go ahead and take this drug and now you're going to be okay. No, what's actually, it's setting you up now for further problems down the road because you're ignoring what's actually giving you the problem, which really makes no sense. But that's the way, unfortunately, medicine is practiced. So medicine is, is really broken, unfortunately. And therefore, everything with Alzheimer is, Alzheimer's is backward. People say, you know, don't go in early because there's nothing you can do about it. Don't check your genetics because there's nothing you can do about it. Again, everybody should know their genetics. And we do that as part of the cognoscopy. So you'll know if you have risk and make sure to get on that prevention or early reversal, especially if you have any genetics for Alzheimer's disease. And especially if there's every any family history, I often talk about children of Alzheimer's. They need to be especially aware and let's make sure that we've ended it 
with the generation before now so that you can get in early and make sure. And again, everybody can do that. It's relatively easy to do. Getting Alzheimer's is basically ignoring problems until it's very late in the process. So you're, you're right, absolutely. These pharmaceuticals play a big role. And in fact, the papers that have looked at this have suggested that a you know, fairly significant uh, proportion, something like 20% or so of the patients who have cognitive decline, uh, it is because of, this, of their long-term use of these various pharmaceuticals. They're showing actually a direct causation then. Yes. In some cases. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you mention, I'm sorry, uh, cholesterol medications, statin drugs? Is there a concern there? So that's a great point. And the reason I didn't mention those is because they actually go on both sides. So many times there'll be things where there's argument and statins are one of them. People wanted to use statins initially to reduce Alzheimer's. It, it never showed that that was the effect. And it turns out because there's both a good effect and a bad effect. So they kind of wash each other out. So yes, in some studies, you'll see a slight improvement. In some studies, you'll see a slight reduction. In some, you'll see a slight increase. And that's because the statins have both a good effect and a bad effect. So we try to actually stay away from them because you can do much better. The good effect of statins is they do, as you know, have a, this mild anti-inflammatory effect. Well, there are much better ways to do anti-inflammation, starting with things like you know curcumin and omega-3s and things like that, and eating an appropriate diet and healing a leaky gut, you know, on and on. Very straightforward. Again, you want to know what's causing the inflammation. That's the right way to do it. Again, for just throwing a statin on there is not the right way to go. But in addition to that anti-inflammatory effect, they also, of course, have the effect to inhibit HMG-CoA reductase. That's the way they work. So they reduce the synthesis of cholesterol. So sure, you see a lowering of your cholesterol, but cholesterol is required. It's important for your brain. It's not the cholesterol that's the issue. It's the LDL particle number, which again, it's a different thing. And so they have this indirect impact, but you're buying this at the cost of some negative effects on your brain and other body systems. The other big problem is doctors drop it too low. Once you get down below 150 or 160, that's really too low and it's associated with brain atrophy. But they'll try to drive people down to 120, 110, even into 90. It's, it's really very anti-physiological. So again, they're trying to slap a Band-Aid on something instead of asking why this is. For most people, they have these abnormal lipid numbers because of their high carbohydrate diet. And yes, there's also genetic influences, but for most of us, the vast majority of us, we can address this without taking statins. Excellent. Yeah, I appreciate that because uh, that's been a big concern of mine. I routinely have uh, clients of mine come in saying that their doctors aren't satisfied with their cholesterol numbers when they're in the 150, 160 range and read so much that has <laughs> proven to me anyway that that is really bad medicine uh, to try and get people down there and that there's a high danger level really once you start to get under that 150 mark. Absolutely. And again, getting without realizing what's actually causing that. So you're unfortunately allowing the underlying problem to continue while giving something that has some really negative side effects. 
Yeah. And, and then, of course, one of the big challenges with many of the drugs that you mentioned and the statin drugs being one of them is that they tend to be lifelong drugs. You know, they put you on it and then you're just on it. And yep. so whatever the side effects are tend to be compounded uh, year after year and decade after decade. So then as far as toxicity, I want to revisit that for just a minute, because I think that's one area that a lot of people really struggle with trying to understand, A, how to avoid some of these toxins, but then B, how do we get rid of the toxins? Because I know Environmental Working Group, for instance, says that maybe you can eliminate 60% of the airborne toxins from your life by you know cleaning your home with natural things and not using synthetic air fresheners and things like that. But we're sort of stuck with a toxic environment and a toxic world to some degree. So what, what do you recommend to your patients in this case? This is a great point. And I, of course, I went into this in the book. You know, we live in a in Alzheimer's soup. We are swimming, unfortunately, in a combination of toxins every day that increases our risk for cognitive decline fairly markedly. So yes, there is a tremendous amount you can do about it. Unfortunately, the vast majority of doctors simply don't look at this at all. So the first thing to do is to understand that, yes, you can actually check these things. So please get evaluated for these three types of toxins. So as I mentioned earlier, first of all, metals and other inorganics. So You can check your mercury, you can check your lead. Mercury is the big one when it comes to cognitive decline, but these others can be contributory. Lead, cadmium, arsenic, those things. And it's an easy thing. You can do it as a urine test or as a blood test. Your doctor can do this, no problem. And these things are critical. And then other inorganics, and that means things like the California fires. If you've got air pollution, if you're living or spending a lot of time on freeways with a lot of pollution, these are all issues. You know, if you've got car exhaust issues, that's a problem. So that's the first thing to to do. Second thing, you can reduce this in your home by getting HEPA filters for the air and very helpful. It can help to clean the air that you are breathing, reduce. You can get ones that reduce both particulates and that reduce the various organics and things like that. So that's the first thing. And then second thing is to look at your organics. And again, you can do this very simple. There's a thing called GPL tox, uh, which is a test looking at urinary organic toxins. Um, These are the the non-metal ones, the various organics. And these are, as I mentioned earlier, the formaldehydes and toluenes and benzenes and things like that. And as an example, we had a a relatively young woman, only 49 years old, uh, who developed Alzheimer's disease in in a particular type called PPA or primary progressive aphasia. And she had been exposed to very high levels of these toxins through the burning of paraffin candles. So burning of paraffin candles is actually quite toxic. And of course, she'd been in these for, you know, years and years all day at work, unfortunately. Uh, So the organics are, are the second ones. And then the third ones, as I mentioned earlier, biotoxins. And these are typically toxins that are made by mold species. Uh, And again, you can check these out and you can measure these in the urine uh, and they will look at things like trichothecenes and gliotoxin and ochratoxin A and things like that so that you can see if you have high levels. And then there are 
both general things you can do for detoxification, which is really good for all of us. And then there are also specific things depending on what you find for your toxins. And I should add another big thing for toxins is the anesthesia. So if you're going to have general anesthesia and we hear this story again and again and again, you know, my relative went under general anesthesia and then in the months following that started to have some cognitive decline. Yes, this is a, a very important uh, predictor and a very important precipitant of cognitive decline. And it is often due to a combination of the fact that now you've been exposed to these neurotoxins that are part of anesthesia. You've got to get rid. You've got to detoxify. They're increasing your overall toxic burden. But guess what? When during this time, you also dropped your blood pressure. So you weren't perfusing your brain as well as usual. And guess what? You also dropped your oxygenation. So this is a trifecta of Alzheimer's causing problems, unfortunately. And so you should actually, if you're going to go under anesthesia, and again, we went through this in the book, you know, talk to your anesthesiologist, talk to the surgeon, make sure that they keep your perfusion good, make sure that they keep your oxygenation good, and then get your glutathione level up before you go under anesthesia and then top it off afterwards so that you can help yourself to detoxify because glutathione is critical for detoxification. There are several other steps you can do as well, which we go through in the book as well. And so it's critical to make sure that you have a minimum risk from the anesthesia itself. So we can talk about some you know, general things and think about it in terms of we excrete these toxins. So everything that is excretory is going to potentially be helpful. We breathe them out. They are out in our urine. They're out in our stool. We want to have some filtered water, you know, appropriate amounts of filtered water, a couple of liters of filtered water per day. We want to make sure we have appropriate urine flow. We want to make sure that our kidney function is okay. We want to make sure that our liver function is good. And there's an excellent book by Dr. Joseph Pizzorno called The Toxin Solution. I recommend it highly. He has, and this is really good, especially for chemotoxins. And then for biotoxin side, and really Dr. Neil Nathan's book is excellent. Toxic, Heal Your Body is the name of his book. I recommend both of these books. I think they're excellent. And they go into these, their years and years of experience with this and how they have dealt with their patients uh, with toxins. So, and then High fiber, as I mentioned earlier, turns out to be a very good way. For some people, you actually want to use specific binding agents like either cholestyramine or Wellcol or bentonite clay or charcoal. But again, find out where you stand. You may not need to use those things. But for all of us, um, high fiber and then getting your microbiome to be optimal turns out to be very helpful. Probiotics, prebiotics, healing leaky gut turns out to be very helpful. So you can detoxify through all these and the methods. And then of course, through your skin, you're also excreting these things through your sweat. So again, getting onto appropriate sweating, you can do this through exercise, you can do this through sauna. There was an often quoted study that came out of Finland, men that did sauna rarely had a much higher risk 
for cognitive decline that men who did sauna uh, frequently, you know, five to seven times per week, as opposed to one or two times per week. Interestingly, they didn't have a control group with zero times per week because they couldn't find men there who were doing it zero times per week because just about everybody there is doing it at least a little bit, but very clear that sweating. And then, you know, you want to take a shower afterwards with a non-toxic soap like Castile or one of these things to help to get rid of those toxins that you've sweated out. So there are some very basic things that we can all do because you have to remember, this is a dynamic process. You've got at any one time an ongoing toxic burden. So for many of us, we just don't know about it until it exceeds a threshold. And now we actually start to get a disease associated with toxicity, which may be kidney failure, which may be Alzheimer's, which may be liver damage, which may be cancer, uh, you know, all these things. So it's really good to keep your toxic burden down to a minimum. Well, and it's pretty clear to me that uh, we could talk for about 12 hours today and I would thoroughly enjoy all this information. I'm sure those listening would as well, but uh, I know we're running up against a deadline for you. So let me share what I think is a little secret here uh, that maybe you've already figured out listening. And that is that what he's talking about, what Dr. Bredesen is referring to when it comes to prevention of Alzheimer's and cognitive decline, this program of detoxification and in eating correctly and getting enough sleep and and good sleep and exercise and and supplementation, this isn't just about the brain, right? I mean, we we follow this protocol that you're talking about and our overall health is going to improve in a wide variety of ways. Absolutely. And I think one of the most important takeaways from the clinical trial we just finished, when you look at it, clinical trials of drugs, they always talk about serious adverse events. So you had, you know, you, your hair fell out uh, or, or you got sick to your stomach or, you know, or you lost way too much weight and now your skin and bones, you know, or, or heaven forbid you increased your risk for cancer or something like that. So the side effects in our trial were people had better blood pressure, people uh, did better with their weight, uh, you know, typically lost weight and had a good BMI, you know, people needed, they lost their hypertension. They had better blood sugar numbers, better lipid profile. I mean, on and on and on. So absolutely, this is giving us more resilience. This is giving us better health overall. Excellent. And then the last thing I'll ask you is when will we be able to see the results of that trial? So we actually submitted them for publication yesterday. So just as with all you know, many of these things that you heard with COVID-19, the new way to do this now, which I think is a much more efficient way, is first you submit it to a posting service, which is called MedArchive. And this and this uh, MedArchive put out a lot of the, the, the discoveries on COVID and things like this. And this typically is posted within about a week. So my hope is you'll see this posted within about a week on MedArchive. Mm-hmm. Then once that comes out, you submit it to a peer-reviewed journal, and it's typically about three months or so after that. So it'll, it should be published in a peer-reviewed journal, you know, something like uh, August or so. But first, this will be publicly available, I hope, in about a week. They have to go over it and make sure that we did everything correctly on the trial and things like that. Once they approve that, uh, it should be posted, and we'll, we'll hope for that in about a week. Fantastic. Dr. Bredesen, I sure appreciate your time and your efforts in this this area. For those of us who have seen uh, people we love go through this cognitive decline, there's no illness that is as frightening is probably the best way to put it. So to have these answers and this information for people so that we can actually take care of our brains and prevent this, get ahead of it before it ever gets to us is, is very, very powerful. Thank you so much. 
Thank you very much, Jared. And the, as you mentioned, this is the con- biggest concern of all of us as we are aging to lose our minds. Um, and in fact, we can make it so that this is a very rare illness. Working together, we, you know, all getting on prevention or early reversal, we can absolutely do that. Thank you. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today and I uh, hope to have you on again. Thanks very much, Jared. Appreciate having me on. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that was the interview with Dr. Dale Bredesen. I hope you enjoyed it. I absolutely loved bringing it to you. It was such a great time because his mind is just so immersed in this science. And there were there were no questions I asked him that he didn't have an immediate and thoughtful answer to. And boy, I just really, really loved it. I hope you did as well. Fantastic stuff. Regardless, if you have any questions about anything you heard, please give us a call at Vitality, 801-292-6662. Whether you're within reach of our store or just within the sound of my voice somewhere, give us a call and we'll be glad to help you out through the mail or over the phone, whatever we can do at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. So what I'm going to do with that interview is I'm going to actually go back and listen to it several times and I'm going to take the best notes that I can take, and I'm going to give you an opportunity in the next few weeks. It'll take a while. I'm not sure how long it's going to take me. My schedule is very busy right now, but I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to put together basically a a more concise, referenceable, I guess, if that's even a word, uh, paper document or digital document that I can email out. I'm not sure which that you can look at and refer to if you're really trying to do what you need to do to take care of your brain based on Bredesen's protocols. A lot of good information there, and I know that when you listen to all that, especially if you were listening on the radio and not on the podcast where you can go back and listen again, which if you haven't downloaded the podcast, do, and then you can listen to it again. I think it'll be worth your time. But I want to put it into a manageable document for you. So I'm going to work on that and put something together for you. I'm not going to promise a time that I'm going to deliver it at this point because I'm not quite sure how much effort that's going to take and how much time I'll be able to devote to it. But I want to do it for myself as well as for you. So hopefully within the next few weeks, you'll have something. And uh, you can call us if you'd like at Vitality and get your name on the list of people who would like that delivered to them. We'll get an email address and a phone number. And that way, uh, depending on how we decide to actually produce it, we'll be able to get in touch with you either way. But this information is so powerful And so important because, as I said at the very beginning and at the end of the interview, the fear factor involved in neurological disorders like that where you literally are losing your mind with dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, things like that, it's high. It's very, very high. And so having the power to know what to do to make sure that that doesn't happen to you is priceless, right? I mean, the information is absolutely priceless. So I'm going to put it together in a more usable format. In the meantime, I do highly recommend his book. It's called The End of Alzheimer's. It's fantastic. I've got audible uh, version of it. You can do it as an audio. Of course, you can read it as well. And it is excellent. It's been out for several years, so you can probably even find it used cheap somewhere. But great, great book. And one of the best maybe I've ever read in terms of health books. And I've read my share of those. So I absolutely love that. And then also, if you're not familiar with, we, I mentioned it very briefly in the interview, but I didn't want the interview to be about a product. And so I'll mention it here, NeuroQ by Life Seasons, which is 
we've carried out Vitality for about five months, basically since the beginning of this year, is a truly fantastic product that was co-developed by Dr. Bredesen and Life Seasons for the express purpose of uh, protecting our brains in a, a very uh, serious way, helping with cognitive function. And I've never had a brain supplement that we've sold that's had more immediate uh, excitement surrounding it from the day that I mentioned it on Vitality Radio to the week to two weeks, three weeks after we started selling it and people coming back saying, wow, I can really tell this stuff works, which frankly for brain supplements, nootropics, things like that, isn't always the case. So it's awesome stuff. I think you're going to absolutely love it. And we are doing a really unique promotion on it right now. It's $29.99. The regular price is $69.99. So it's a really, really good value right now. We'll have that at least through the end of May. I'm Based on what I'm seeing, I think we'll have it through the end of June. And after that, I'm not sure where the price is going to go. But right now, it's a really, really affordable price. And then we're also stacking that with the Stim Boost from Life Seasons. If you didn't hear about Stim Boost, we talked about that about a month ago on Vitality Radio with Sarah Burden. And that's what I'm doing, the combination. And I've also added now magnesium 3 and 8. So it's sort of a trifecta, which you heard Dr. Bredesen talk about in the interview. The mag 3 and 8, the NeuroQ, the Stim Boost, all amazing formulas. Uh, and we're doing sale prices on all of them uh, right now at Vitality to try and get as many people the opportunity to be able to afford to do these things and give them a shot and see how they work. So that's that for Vitality Radio. If you haven't listened to the podcast yet, please download it. Please share it. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. It would really, really help to get the word out and help people find the show. I would greatly appreciate that. I got to run. You've been listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.